You are warmly welcomed to listen to WDBE Talks, the podcast for the world of digital built environment. We invite you on a physical and virtual journey from Helsinki to Tallinn to celebrate the forerunners of the digital built environment. Hello and welcome to this episode of the WDBE Talks. My name is Arni Heiskanen and my guest is Damon Hernandez, the co-founder of the AEC Hackathon and an extended reality expert. The reason why you are here in Helsinki physically is the 90-day Finn program. What's that all about? Yeah, so the 90-day Finn is a program by Helsinki Partners, which is a city marketing investment and talent attraction company owned by the city of Helsinki. So as a part of this project, they invited international professionals such as myself, founders and investors from all around the world to experience Helsinki for about three months uh, to collaborate and create international opportunities together. Tell us a bit about yourself before becoming a Finn and the vision that drives you. A Texan at heart, but I've been out in the San Francisco area for about 16 years now. And I've been um, driven for 22 years by this idea of where the real and the digital meet. So I originally got into the field of uh, Web 3D and became a self-taught front-end web designer slash developer, focusing mainly on interactive 3D, working with the ISO standard at the time of X3D, and really looking at how can we apply these interactive 3D technologies and things that I think my generation was exposed to as kind of the first wave of gamers. I'm in my mid-40s, but I still, as as a child, had, you know, the gaming. Uh, how can we apply that to things like education and, and other real-world industries to kind of make uh, the science fiction I grew up with science fact? And and so over the course of my career, I've been uh, very fortunate to talk with a variety of different industries. But since 2007, um, I got involved with some uh, fabricators and some home builders and shifted a lot of my focus more on uh, the built environment. And so how can we apply these interactive 3D and immersive technologies specifically to construction and building? And and then now um, looking at that for, you know, prop tech and, and others related to the field. And uh, as I mentioned, you are a co-founder of the AEC Hackathon. And next year, the AEC Hackathon celebrates its 10-year anniversary. So can you brief us on the current state of the hackathon? Yeah, well, you know, I think as with most uh, events and things like that, uh, during the pandemic, uh, you know, we had to go online and virtual. And and so now we're just starting to come back. So the, the current state is uh, we kick off um, the first physical event uh, in Austin, Texas, uh, coming up in October. And... And then we we have some others. So the current state of the hackathon is coming back uh, onto the you know physical world. But I think like with most, we're we're going to kind of try to see how the hybrid model works, and and, um, and that way we can give the communities now that we really have internationally a better chance to um, mix together, even if they can't physically be in the same space. Ten years of of the hackathons already almost. Uh, what impact do you think that? the hackathon has had on the industry so far? Well, for sure, we've definitely seen more hackathons for the industry, right? And that's exciting is to see that more people are seeing the need of 
bringing together built environment professionals with technologists to solve problems outside of the office environment. I know that there are definitely internal hackathons. Um, here, I believe Sveco has an internal hackathon and there are a lot of these others. But that, that to me is probably the, the one thing that I've seen. Um, just from my own uh, sphere of influence, though, I think it's really neat to see the way that the hackathon has allowed people to kind of find like minds within the industry um, it, and, and either allowing them to then collaborate with someone else. So, you know, hey, we have this, this project that we're working on. I want to try technology A. Oh, I know da-da-da from the same company. They also, you know, work with technology A or we're fans of this. And, and then they connect and then they help push that innovation from both sides on projects. So that's been exciting to see. Um, also where I think following a little bit more of that technology industry model of open sourcing that's 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 really nice to see the way that um, you know one of the times that impacted me it kind of hit the heartstrings a little bit was when we had a team where they made a point to say Monday through Friday we are fierce competitors but this weekend we came together to um, you know work together and and solve this mutual problem so I think the collaboration that we see is is something um, that that is hopefully also, you know, changing the industry. And, and, and then really, I think just the exploration of technology, Arnie. I mean, it's, it's always been difficult. You know, most projects are on insanely tight schedules. They're on insanely tight budgets. And so when can you innovate, right? When can you try things? And, and so I think that that's where it is, is it's giving people more of this opportunity to say, hey, I can explore and play around with this and it's okay to fail. And, and so those are the things that I hope are or helping change the industry, as well as having better communication um, from a, a person perspective. I think what's neat about the hackathons and where I think I've seen it translate out is where, you know, it's, it's the, it bridges the gaps of the generation, right? You know, I mean, we have a big issue right now where a lot of mind share is about to retire in a few years. And, and if that knowledge is not passed on, um, that sets us back, you know, kind of uh, a lot. And, and so if we can make it easier to facilitate those conversations, those comfort levels across the gap of age and race and all the other things that normally create barriers for communication, um, that, that's exciting is to see how that has, has softened and helped that. What have you personally learned and gained uh, as a co-founder? of the AEC Hackathon? A lot, a lot. I think someone asked me, um, you know, one time, so, so what is the AEC Hackathon about? And uh, what I really found is that we're hacking thinking first. And as a testament to that, um, it, it's always evolved in my thinking. And, and so that, I think, is, is the number one thing of, of how it has impacted me is, is that we have, we cannot expect new ways of doing things or thinking about things if we do not change the way that we uh, perceive things. And so so in that, for me, the AEC Hackathon has definitely um, hacked my thinking with every event. Um, I go in, I do not come out the same person as I was going into it um, because of all of the brilliant minds that are there and how they're open and receptive. I think the other thing is that it's definitely shown me um, uh, how much 
need there is for events where people can come and collaborate and just be themselves, right? You know, not be their title, not be the company they represent. And, and just that sense of, you know, you are you, be you, come, um, be nice, be friendly, uh, be open, um, challenge, uh, but don't be difficult, right? And, and so I think for me, it's, it's really learning uh, to be a better person more than it is to, you know, be a better technologist or anything related with, with that, um, honestly, yeah. But now let's talk about another topic that I believe is near and dear to you, mm-hmm. the metaverse. What does the metaverse mean from the AEC point of view? And, and do you have any examples to illustrate the concept? Yeah. Um, well, I think the uh, answer to the second part of that is, is no, I don't have any examples of, of the metaverse. And um, as far as what is it from the AEC perspective, well, I'll, I'll jump back a little bit and say, you know, let's just kind of look at what that word was, what it's become. And, and you know, so, of course, coming from, you know, Nell Stevenson's Snow Crash, this idea of the metaverse, and the idea of this interconnected, you know, virtual world. But what for me was exciting, because uh, Snow Crash is actually what got me into the industry back in 1999. So I read that book. Um, that's when I said, okay, I'm not going to go to law school. I'm actually going to pivot and do this instead. So so that book actually was life-changing for me. That term metaverse was what said, you know, how does this become a reality? Um, to a point. Now, I'm not a fan of any one company owning, you know, something. So that's why the idea of what the metaverse was from the book wasn't what exactly I was like, hey, let's do that. And and so it was interesting to see that as the evolution of, I think, that term among the this computer scientists and all the other people that were equally as inspired, um, around 2007 or 2008, I can't remember exactly which year, but there was a group called the Open Metaverse Roadmap that came together and kind of defined, you know, what what does this metaverse mean? And they and they added on to um, that definition of virtual worlds with augmented reality, um, mirrored worlds, which then that perked my ears up because I was like, that's exactly what I'm going for. And and then the idea at the time of, of life logging, or as we know now, social media, and then the way that we, you know, generate uh, user-created content. So seeing this evolution of this term um, go over the years, and, and that to me was really exciting because the foundation of any mixed reality experience, and, and this is what I think a lot of people forget, is that there's that word reality, <laughs> you know, in virtual, augmented, and others. And so the importance of the built environment, it is the stage for which all of this digital content will live and we will interact with. You know, we cannot go completely digital because you're in a physical room. You're in a physical space. You're doing your VR, your AR somewhere. And and so in the past few years, I, I often think of it as, as I, I equate it to kind of the way that Columbus, when Columbus came over from the old world, or to relate it to this, the way that, um, you know, uh, writers and other people that are from kind of the Web 2.0 or the certain space, they landed down on some group of islands called crypto NFT blockchain, 
And these were things that even those of us that were in the metaverse or on the mainland for quite so many years, we didn't know that was there either, right? But it's been interesting to see how these people are going back and reporting to the masses that, hey, this is the new world, when it's a very small section of, of what the metaverse is about. And, and it doesn't take into account you know, the fact that, that there's the spatial web and all of these other things. And even if you look at the concept videos by the companies like Meta and others, all of that is in the real world, right? You know, you're, you're sitting down in the park bench, you're playing chess with someone who's digitally somewhere else, you're, you know, having a party. And, and so, so I think that the, the built environment, um, you know, is setting the foundation uh, for this because uh, as people in the real world, that is the where we're going to have these types of digital experiences. This is where uh, you know we are going to need to know um, the space as spaces become more interconnected. I think also the levels of immersion change. Right, um, immersion to me isn't just about having a monitor slapped in front of your eyeballs. It is about how does a space respond. And so as we see things like the Matter Protocol coming through that allow for interconnectivity of IoT devices and things like this, how do experiences then, with the proper permissions from the user, take advantage of that, right? So how can I be um, you know, playing a game just on my television, and if I score, then my lights go on and off, right? Or, or how can I have a little augmented reality creature that's maybe running around my house, you know, like uh, the old school Tamagotchis, and if I don't feed it, it starts crying, so my lights are flickering on and off, you know, or something like that. So, so the built environment um, is the stage in the setting, and as that, uh, as those industries better define 3D data, and then create these digital stages as owners become smarter to what they're paying for already and then how can they use this afterwards to you know either of course you know attract you know um, occupants tenants things like that but then also enhance that resident experience right you know hey if you're in my space here's how you can use the the geometry and the assets that were created to build this space to help you um, better navigate through this as a new user. Um, maybe it could be something that you could load into Minecraft for your kids or, or something like that. So I think that's kind of where, um, you know, these two things are very important to one another. You know, it really is the, you can't have the metaverse without the built environment. It's just not gonna happen, in my opinion. I think you answered my next question already how how do you see it materialize and, and develop uh, in the coming years and, and maybe you already touched on that but do you want to add, add something well yes I uh, I think that you know the the big issue that we have right now with this idea of interconnected virtual worlds because that's what they are um, you know when uh, I ask uh, you know the the people listening and just anyone if you hear or read in the news that someone's metaverse, you know, replace it with the word um, internet, right? If it still makes sense, you know, Roblox's internet. Well, no, that doesn't make sense, so don't call it Roblox's, in, you know, metaverse, right? Um, so I think that the, the built environment actually, I mean, I'm biased, but I think that the way that they're moving toward saying, hey, you know, we have a need to have all of these different um, you know, standards that represent the built environment work together, right? We're starting to see now uh, there's more 
uh, communication. I mean, there always has been, but it's really ramping up as far as, you know, you look at people like the Open Geospatial Consortium, uh, the Kronos Group, you know, all of these folks that deal with uh, graphic standards or real world data or things like that are starting to collaborate more. You have the Metaverse Standards Foundation and other that are driven by some of these people as well that I, I feel that it's, it's almost like those that are creating the stage are more open to collaboration than the companies that have the virtual worlds where their business models aren't necessarily saying, come into my virtual world, add all this value, then leave with all that value that you created and go off to this next place. And, and this was an issue even back in the virtual worlds days of 2007, 2008, right? I mean, this is what's so fascinating is that, um, you know, this idea of, of, you know, interconnected worlds is nothing new. I saw the same thing um, back when I first moved out to Silicon Valley with the virtual uh, world startup I was with, and that was the issue, right? Everyone then was saying this could be the metaverse as well. The only difference was VR wasn't as pervasive as it was, but outside of that, everything else was there. And, and unfortunately, the business models of a lot of these companies did not allow for the, internet, uh, the interconnectivity and interoperability. Even outside of that, though, if we left from that perspective, then the next thing that created issues that became uh, an awareness was the users, right? Does a user want to have, um, if we're an experience, often uh, it's, it's like a renaissance fair. If you and I go to, if you take me to a traditional, um, you know, renaissance fair here in Finland, and then all of a sudden we see someone show up in Harry Potter and we see someone show up in Star Wars gear and we're in our, no, this is now affecting our experience. So, so we, I don't want that level of interoperability and this, you know, and, and so I think that, um, you know, how can it all play out? Um, too, too much to be defined from the businesses that are kind of in that area that are trying to figure out how do we make our applications play together? How do we do this? But again, that application sitting on top of the stage of the real digital world that can become metaverse. And so that's kind of how I think that the built environment and, and the way that it's moving toward figuring out how do we recreate the, the idea of the 3D world, 3D buildings, 3D cities, 3D worlds, um, like what they're doing here in Helsinki with the 3D city model and, and how they're adding, um, you know, and finding a lot of value from that in different ways. I feel that the built environment sector will move faster at setting that foundation than the companies that are trying to find the applications and how do we play well together, um, you know, from, again, a business model perspective. If our listeners would like to explore the, uh, the metaverse, where should they start? Yeah, well, I would definitely say, um, you know, look at the groups that, uh, like the Metaverse uh, Standards Forum and, and uh, others, that are trying to tackle it from the most open approach. Um, and then also, I would say, start to um, play with the ingredients of, of technology that are out there. And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, the, the what will be the metaverse or whatever it will be called. I mean, it's, it's an ever defining, um, you know, thing. It's, it's saying, Hey, how can I take what interests me as an individual 
and then add these metaverse-like technologies, you know, um, of course, the immersive technologies, AI, um, you know, if it's necessary, blockchain and, and these others, right? And, and, and cook the ingredient, you know, with the ingredients of the things that, that you want to see, right? So um, if it is unexplored territory, and so that's why I go back to, um, you know, it's a lot of like when, you know, people, quote unquote, discovered America, right? People came over and then um, they just kind of set up their own camp, started building something. They found like-minded people and and then said, hey, how can we as a community begin to build this that we have mutual interests in? And so, so I think for those listeners, I would say, find the things that interest you about this idea of the digital and the real world coming together. Find your tribe, right? They exist. Um, get involved. No one is an expert. You know, I, I um, went to a conference not too long ago, hijacked a table and, and wrote on the front of it. I said, um, you know, metaverse experts are full of shit. Prove me wrong. And 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 I think that um, because no one is an expert and, and because of that, it really levels the playing field. Um, everyone's new. And and so for the listeners, you know, don't be shy jump in there, um, you know, your ideas are just as valid as, as someone who's been, you know, in this, you know, computer science space for a very long time. And to remember that, um, in my own opinion, I think those that are the um, innovators of application actually um, add a greater value than the people like myself who are innovators of the technology, because we just make the ingredients. But if there aren't the people there that say, look, I don't know how to code. I don't know how to do any of these things. I don't want to, right? That's a big issue is a lot of people say, I have the creative ideas. Does this mean I need to go learn a game engine or something like that? And it's like, no, you know, it's, it's, and that's why I equate it a lot to cooking, right? I don't know where those ingredients come from. I don't know how any of the things in my kitchen is, is processed and gets there. I don't need to, but I just need to understand enough of it to say, this complements this well, how can I put these things together, that turned out great, that turned out wrong, and play and explore. So, so again, that's what I would say to the listeners is, you know, just jump on in, play with things. Um, uh, it's not failure if you do it, but if, you know, it, you don't get the results that you want, we'll iterate, improve, and then move to the next thing. So, so find your people, uh, find the things that you want to play with, and, and just explore and have fun. Perhaps the, <clears throat> the perfect place to find your tribe is at the next AEC Hackathon. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us uh, about it and how to sign up? Yeah, definitely. So um, the next AEC Hackathon um, in the U.S. is going to be in uh, Austin, Texas, uh, kicking it back off in my home state. And, and uh, that information um, will be made uh, available online uh, by the end of this month. So uh, come September 1, uh, folks will be able to sign up for that. And then, of course, um, for uh, folks on, um, well, I guess I, I was going to say on, on this side of the pond, although uh, given the attendance that we have from the amount of countries that we have, um, the uh, event after that in Copenhagen, of course, is um, always a stellar event. I mean, um, we were fortunate enough, I think if you remember, to be able to uh, pull one off right before the, the pandemic kicked off. And, uh, you know, I think we had people from 31 countries that were there. Uh, and then at the 
um, you know, event uh, last year, right after some of the things kind of opened back up. Um, similar, right? We had a, a large turnout. So I would uh, advise people that that is a really um, great one to attend just because, I mean, talk about the, you know, difference of, of not just ideas, but cultures and everything else. So that to me is so exciting. Um, you know, nothing wrong to my people back in Texas, but um, but it is just neat to see how, again, it's the, the different perspectives and how much cultures influence that, right? And, and that's where I really want to see more bridging between, um, you know, the world and, and the U.S. because there are so many things that I have learned um, by participating that have made me completely even change the way that I build applications uh, thanks to my exposure to, to these mindsets. So uh, just go to hackaec.com. Um, we will be updating uh, the, the website uh, periodically. Um, and then just a quick shout out to uh, this year, we, we have a, a new hackathon community coming online uh, from Norway. So there will be one in uh, Stavanger uh, in, in November. And of course, um, you know, everything permitting uh, in San Francisco, uh, we look to have one uh, there as well. So, and, and then of course next year, uh, it looks like we, we kick back off um, with, with most of the locations that we normally uh, have one annually. So it seems like technology is the thing that unites us. Um, I, think, I think our, our, our love for technology maybe is, is what unites us more than, than um, technology. I don't know, uh, past couple of years and, and um, you know, maybe, uh, uh, you know, back home, I think that technology has been really great at um, dividing us, <laughs> depending upon what technologies you're using. <clears throat> but, um, but, but that goes back to, uh, you know, I, I, that, that's what's so exciting, is to see the way that passion for technology um, overcomes, uh, even like for myself, fear. You know, I get very nervous about um, speaking in person or even doing podcasts, but my love and passion for what I do overcomes that fear. And, and I see that with others that, um, you know, what, whatever are our own obstacles, that love and that passion, and in that sense, yes, I guess technology and, and what we can do with it um, definitely helps us overcome not only our, our own fears, but uh, be able to open up and collaborate with others and, and in that, I think we all grow together. What are you doing next as a Finn? Um, my, my next idea uh, as, a, as a Finn uh, that, that I'm really excited about here is I've, I've always respected Finland's um, approach to openness, uh, standards, interoperability, um, the way that um, in my limited time here, I've seen how the... Um, gaming industry and the building industry and multiple different industries can work and talk together, right? And even at our first hackathons here, you know, the, to see the amount of gamers that came, game developers. And so what I'm very excited about here is to kind of make um, a dream of mine that's been 22 years in the making of, you know, if the real world, well, I guess a gross oversimplification is if you took Google Earth and PlayStation and merge those together, what would it look like? And two places that I always saw that were kind of at the forefront of this over the years were Finland and Singapore. 
and um, Singapore's temperature is not to my liking, so uh, you know I'm more of a cold weather fan. Um, and and of course, uh, I think the 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 people here are um, more more to uh, the ideas of uh, this idea of real world meets digital. And, and then like Singapore, you know, you, you, the thing I like about Finland is that once you've made up your mind, you execute quickly and, and people here can do things. So as a Finn here, I hope to really help bridge um, more of those uh, communities, I think with, of course, Silicon Valley um, and then others, but really see how can we merge the real world and the digital to create, um, a, you know, the 3D world part of World Wide Web, right? And, and then through that, how can we help cities and municipalities and others better understand these digital technologies? So as they hear these terms, metaverse and things like that, they, they understand their options, right? It's not just about these closed platforms that you can put your data in to have an experience. There's these other options that are available like the web. There are these standards that people have been working on for decades that can that can play together. So as, as a part of my um, 80 some odd days now, I think as a, as a fan, um, you know, that's, that is my goal is to say, hey, here's how the, the 3D world can exist. Here's how it can exist on the web. Here's how it can leverage all these um, new web technologies and really make um, Helsinki and Finland um, the poster child for um, good practices when it comes to uh, kind of setting that foundation of what is our part in the metaverse. Uh, but what is the best way to connect with you online? Yeah, so if anyone wants to connect with me, um, of course, uh, there's, uh, you know, just, I guess, Google search Damon and Web3D and then pick your platform. Um, on, on Twitter, I'm at Metaverse1, um, and uh, that's O-N-E, and not the number. Um, and, and then, of course, LinkedIn. Uh, I, I recently started a uh, TikTok, because uh, I think that's one of the things uh, to do. I uh, used to blog. But um, I'm a very horrible writer, so <laughs> it's much easier for me to shoot just a, a minute video. So um, depending upon, I guess, what is your uh, social media platform, um, just probably if you punch in Metaverse 1, either is the number or the word, uh, you'll, you'll probably find me. And, and I would love just to learn about what, what the people are doing. So um, I'm, I'm always excited uh, to see what people are developing either from um, the built environment side or from the uh, web technology side. So um, please don't be shy uh, to reach out and I, I'd love to know what you're doing. And of course you can meet Damon in September at WDBE where he's going to give his keynote speech. So see you there. Thanks for listening. Join us at WDBE.org. Boom, 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 boom.